Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. Hey, Grace City, it's so good to be with you guys. And thank you, Haley, for that introduction. Like she said, my name is Dakota, and I'm really good friends with with your pastor, Brian, and with really the rest of your staff team. And so I wish we were in the park together. I wish I could have met you guys in person, but um, I still believe that God has a word to encourage you today. And so I realized that since I'm not your staff member, you don't know me, I probably have just a few seconds to grab your attention before you click off. So I have a story about love and about a first date, which typically, if we're honest, those don't typically go that great. So here's my first date story with my bride, Ansley. My wife's name is Ansley. We have two, we have two children. And so whenever I met Ansley, she was in Brian and Katie's small group back in Tennessee. And um, Brian was our college pastor and I was on staff uh, as his associate and Ansley was in Katie's small group. And so there was kind of this season where I was like, I was into Ansley. I was pretty sure she was into me, but I wasn't quite sure. And so I was like, I need to take this girl on a date and seal the deal. Let's just get this thing rolling. And so I wanted to just sweep her off her feet on this first date. So naturally, I just go all out and I take her to our local Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Dairy Queen. And so there we are. I'm going, actually, no, I'm not even going to pick her up. It gets really, really weird because I was, like, I was on staff. She was a college girl like, in the ministry. So it was kind of this, we were doing this weird thing of like what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate. And so I had her, I didn't even pick her up. Like I didn't even pick her up at her house. I had her meet me at the church. So how lame is that? Like, hey, meet me at the church for a first date and I'll pick you up from there. So anyway, so I had her meet me at the church. And then we're driving to Dairy Queen. We had this amazing time. Um, and it was when I really truly, it, it was awkward and I was a goober for taking her to Dairy Queen for our first date. But it was where I started to fall in love with her. And, but she told me afterwards that like, she's like, babe, you had this chocolate, like chocolate stain on your shorts. Like you walk, you walk up to like, walk me to your, to your car. Like we're going to Dairy Queen. Like you had this chocolate stain on your shorts. So, so, so please hear this. I already had chocolate on my shorts and we're going to get ice cream. That tells you anything about my diet, which hasn't really changed much. But anyways, it was this, it was this amazing date and I was all kinds of awkward. I was a real winner. Um, and it did, even though I, it was awkward and it, it is what it was, like I uh, love compelling me to action. And that was where I swept her off her feet and we started dating and now we've been married for four years and have two beautiful kids, but love compelled me to action. And so that was my, that was my story. That kind of has to do with something to do with my message, but I just want to tell you guys something funny about myself. So hopefully you're still listening and watching the message. So now we can go to God's word because we're going to see um, that when Christ sets his affection on something, his love compels action. And so the love that sent Jesus to the cross for us, we see this picture in John 17, right before he's arrested and going to the cross, we have this prayer that the, um, the disciple John, that he records. And theologians call this Jesus' high priestly prayer. I don't know why they give it such a fancy name, but it, was, it is this beautiful prayer. It's a long prayer. We're going to look at the second half of this prayer. So again, it was the night right before Jesus was betrayed and before he was, went to the cross. And it's this last 
long recorded prayer, this conversation that Jesus has with the Father. And the theme of the prayer is God. Listen, my life has been about giving you glory. And I hope that me going to the cross is going to give you glory. Now I want to pray for those that are following me, that Lord, that you've given me and those that are going to come to believe in me, that they would give you glory. And I'm praying for them. And so this is Jesus's prayer for his disciples. And because of the succession that he was praying for his disciples and those who would come to faith in him, this is his prayer for us. And so I want to read through the text. I'm going to start in John 17, starting in verse 13. I just want to read through the end of of the chapters. We'll finish the prayer starting in verse 13 and then have just a few things that I believe um, God wants to encourage Grace City with this morning. So let's read God's word. John 17, starting in 13, he says, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth truth. Verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only. So that that was his prayer for the disciples, right? Now he's moving into a prayer for those who will become followers of Jesus. He says, so I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these, speaking of his followers, these know you. My disciples know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So this really, when you read through the whole thing, it is a beautiful prayer this is this last, really, this, this is the last conversation that Jesus had with the Father before we got crazy, right? Because right after this, is like the guards come in and enter, and like he gets arrested, and it just goes crazy from there. So this wasn't the last thing that he said to the Father before he was crucified, but this was like this last, like, intimate conversation that he had with God before he was crucified. And so this was, again, Jesus' prayer for his disciples, but then he also says that this is, I'm also praying for those who will come to believe in me. And so because of that succession, there's, as I was reading, as I was reading this chapter, I, sorry, I'm going to pause for a second and give you guys a little bit of context. So I'm here with the team. We brought a team of college students up here for the week to serve with Grace City and to serve with a couple of other church plants and some other ministries in the city. And as we were coming up here, we were on our flight and I sent the group a text. I said, hey, I want you guys to read John 17 on the flight. 
and think about um, prayer. What, what does this, this chapter teach you about prayer? Like as we're coming up to Boston, as we're hoping to encourage Grace City and y'all staff and other church planners and for them to get a heart for the city and get to see what Boston is like. I told them, I said, I want you to read John 17. And as I was reading it, I was like, this is it. Like this, this, is, what, this is what I believe that God wants Grace City to hear. And so in a way, I'm seeing this as Jesus's prayer for, for Grace City and my prayer for Grace City right now. So let's go back and let's read verse 13 again. And so there, there's just a few things that I think will encourage you um, in this passage. And then I just want to um, just remind you guys of the calling that God has and the plans that I believe that, I believe that he has for this church. And so verse 13 Jesus said, but I'm now coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And so the first thing that I believe that um, hopefully will encourage you from this passage is that as a church, you, Grace City, you will be filled with his joy. So it's not just filled with joy, like the other one I was reading, but he said, he said I, they're going to be filled with my joy. They'll be fulfilled with my joy. So my prayer is that you guys would be filled with the joy of Christ. And that word filled, it has this picture of like filling something to the brim. Like I just left, I just left Tate, um, the coffee shop right before we came here to record the message. And like they brought me this coffee. And it's like, if you ever get like a latte from somewhere like that, like they fill it to the brim. Like they're carrying it to you. And like, how are you not spilling that? That's amazing. Because it's filled to the brim. Like that's the idea of this word that the joy that is in you would fill you up so much. You're filled to the brim with joy. And so my prayer for you guys is that there would be joy over discouragement in this season. Because just from what I've seen, from kind of watching from afar in Tennessee and keeping up with Brian and some of the staff, is that like the last like several, well really the entire time you guys have been at church, but at least like the last six months coming out of COVID, it's been a roller coaster. Because it was like you were meeting online and then like Easter's coming and you're like, oh my gosh, like God, you provided. We're in the house of blues. We're not just anywhere. We're in the house of blues for Easter. This is amazing. Like God, you're so faithful. And and then that gets taken away. And I could see how that might just kind of suck the wind out of your sails. And, um, you know, maybe there's like this... Like you feel like, okay, God, like I thought you were, you were in this and this was a blessing for us and for our church. Was that a mirage? Was that not it? Um, and I just want you to remember that Jesus's prayer for you would be that you'd be filled to the brim with his joy. Think about what Jesus was walking through right there in that conversation. He was about to be arrested. He's about to be betrayed by some of his closest followers. He was about to... Um, go to the cross for us. Like that's what Jesus was looking at. But in this moment, he could still pray that we would be filled with his joy. I'd be having a hard time being joyful if I were Jesus in that moment. But he says that I want them to be filled with my joy. And right before this prayer, if you look at the last verse of, of chapter 16, Jesus is saying like, hey, listen, you're gonna have trouble in the world, but take heart. That was one of the last things that he said his disciples before this prayer is recorded. He said, take heart for I have overcome the world. 
So I don't know what the enemy is, is throwing at you right now to discourage you. Um, you know, like I, I mentioned the location frustrations with your church, but maybe more, more personally for you, there's frustrations in the workplace or with your family or with something in your community, something with, um, you know, a, a friendship or, or, or some sort of relational tension in your life, or some sort of frustration in your life. But Jesus cares about those things. And you can go to him with those frustrations and ask him to fill you with his joy. And so that was the first thing that, that when I read this, this prayer, I was like, this is what Grace City needs to hear, that Jesus wants you guys to be filled with his joy. And then the next thing, let's read, let's, let's jump down to verse 15. He goes on down, he, he says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And so the second thing that Jesus is praying, that I believe is for you guys specifically, is that there, you have spiritual protection that the people of Grace City, that the church of Grace City, you, your staff, everyone that's a part of your congregation would have spiritual protection. But notice what Jesus said. He said, hey, God, I don't, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world, right? So extraction isn't his plan, right? I think of like, like an action movie, you know, if it's like, there's like, you know, a military team has a mission to go in and like get the hostages and then they go in and they go behind enemy lines, they get, they get the hostages and then they go to the extraction point, right? That's where a helicopter or someone's going to come in and pull them out of the situation and take them back to safety. Extraction isn't God's plan. His plan is to bring heaven to earth through us. And so God's plan is to bring heaven to Boston through Grace City and through other churches in this area. And so that's what, the, that's, the, that's what God's desire is, and that's what His plan is. And so He wants us to grow in faith and dependence on Him as He's protecting us. And so, so I, I think when, so the reason why I brought up that point, that His, his plan is an extraction, that he doesn't, he doesn't promise us that, again, that we won't have troubles, because He's clearly laying that out. But He's saying, hey, but I'm going to protect you from the evil. And there are some things that I promise I'll protect you from. And it's, you should be reminded of that today. And I was thinking about this. I was just sharing some stories about my daughter a minute ago with, with your staff. And like right now, my, my daughter, her name is Hallie. She's, she's, she'll be two in September. So she's like a little over a year and a half right now. And so right now we're in this season where it's like she, she doesn't listen to half the things we say. It's like, babe, like don't do that. Like don't climb on that. Like, hey, don't put that in your mouth. Like that's not gonna be good for you. But there's a certain level of um, parenting where it's like, okay, I can't protect her from everything. All right, I can't protect, like she's gonna have to learn. Like if daddy says no for, from some things and she doesn't listen to what I'm saying, like she's gonna get hurt, she's gonna fall. So there, for example, the other day, Ansley was, was out, she, there, she was in our room doing something and we were in our, in our living room and I was, I was responsible for watching Hallie in that moment and she was climbing on the chair and she was like, like reaching behind the chair and like pulling on the blinds and like trying to look through the blinds and like she was like leaning over like our recliner. I was like, baby, don't stand up there, you're gonna fall. Like daddy said, daddy said, get down. And like I was in the kitchen doing something and so I was like, okay. You know, I'm gonna let her let her do it, and if she falls, it's gonna be a great teaching moment. And so, um, so as like I'm telling her, baby, don't stand on the chair. What happens? Like I look over, and all of a sudden, I just see like feet go up in the air and then down, like behind our recliner. And then she proceeds to scream and cry, "Daddy, Daddy!" Like so, like I hold her, and I'm like, "That's what you get for disobeying Daddy." Like I told you not to climb on the chair. No, I didn't say that. I was thinking that in my heart and in my mind, but I was like, "Baby, like listen, Daddy told you not to stand." on the chair, like, I'm sorry, like, you're okay. Like, she, was, she wasn't injured, she was just hurt, right? She was scared. 
Um, but that was a moment where I was like, listen, I've got to let you, I've got to let you fall some. I'm gonna have to let you walk through some things that are hard and challenging so that you'll learn, so that you'll come back to me, so that you'll you'll learn and so you'll listen to my voice. And I think God's the same way. Like He's gonna let us bump our heads some. Like when we're trying to go our own way, like in, in our lives, when we know that there might be an area in our lives where like, okay, we're, we're maybe walking in some disobedience here, or this may not be the will of God for my life, but this is what I want to do. I got to let you do that. Like he'll let you do that and then bump your head and then realize like, okay, God, like you're disciplining me. Like this is, like you're trying to draw me back to you. And so whatever that area of your life might be right now, just, just remember that God's there. Like he's saying, hey, listen, like you don't have to go down that road. Like come, come back to me. Like I, I care for you. I love you. I have your best interest in mind. Like I'm not trying to keep you from something good. I'm trying to give you what is good. Um, and so just, just remember that. And, and, but I do believe that, that he does, does protect us from the evil one. And that's a promise that we have. And so, yes, there may be some trials that you go through. There may be some areas of disobedience where, where, where God allows you to kind of walk down that road um, to let you see, well, that's how that's going to end up to then draw you back to himself. But ultimately, he promises to, to protect us from the evil one. And, and I think that we just need to be reminded that, that the devil is not going to overcome you. Like, like the Lord's not going to let, let Satan um, overcome and take over in, in your life or in your family or in this church. Like the enemy will not overcome because Christ has overcome. And so I just want you to be reminded that you're going to be protected. He is protecting you right now, even in this season. And so you can ask for God. You can ask God, I need you to, I need you to protect me and my job. I need you to protect my marriage. God, we need you to protect our church in this season. So God, ask, ask to the, go to the Father and ask Him for those things because that's His will and His desire for you as the church, for you to be protected from the enemy. And so we talked about being filled with His joy and experiencing His protection. And then the last thing is in verse 17. Let's read it again. He says, verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. He's like, okay, well, what does he mean by truth? And he answered right after that. He says, your word is truth. So sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in your word. And so the last thing of this section of the prayer that I believe that he wants Gracie to hear is that, that you would grow in the truth, that you would grow in the word of God. And so like, he, he uses this word sanctify. He says sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in, in your word. So there's really kind of two aspects of, of, that, of that word of being sanctified. There's this, there's this element of being distinct or being set apart like we see, like if you go through and you look at what does the definition of that word mean? Like you'll see maybe something's been set apart for service to God or you know, it's been sanctified, being set, being set apart. So there's this element of being distinct from the world, right? So he, we see in, in the prayer in verse 16 and 17 that it says, hey, I'm not pulling you out of the world. I want you to be, I want you to be um, I'm not taking you out of the world, but I'm going to protect you. Right, this is where we get the saying that, hey, as Christians, like Jesus told us to be in the world, not of the world. Like that's not verbatim in scripture, but this is where that comes from and that's true. Okay, that we're to be in the world, not of the world. And so that first part of sanctification is that we're, we are set apart. We are distinct from the world. God has us here to be salt and light, to make a difference, but we're, we're distinct from the world. Okay, that's the first element of sanctification. And the second is just growth. It's this pro- progression that, that we're on in our journey with Jesus, following Jesus, growing in our faith, growing in our relationship with God, growing in community, those types of things. And so the second part is just spiritual growth. And I was 
with a team of our college students um, recently, and we were at this seminar of just uh, teach, teaching them how to interpret God's word. And, and the guy that was leading this seminar, it was so good. He was just like, listen, he's like, there's no shortcut to growing in the word of God. Like, there's no shortcut. Like, we love our podcast. We love our, we love our you know, like plans that we can have. And we love our apps and, and things, but there's really no shortcut to being in God's word. And so I just want to like remind you that this may be a season right now where it's like, hey, I haven't read the word of God in a while, or I, I may be in this season where I'm just not in love with God's word. Listen, that is totally normal. That is, that is totally normal for us to walk through those seasons. Um, but a, a few things for us to grow in the word is um, the first thing is discipline of, of just, you know, so, sometimes you get up, whether whenever it is that you try to, try to maybe carve out some time in, in your day to, to spend with God in prayer, in His Word. You know, it may not just be every moment where it's like, oh my goodness, I read John 17 and I heard this amazing word that just encouraged my soul, just water to my soul today. And I just feel so refreshed in the Lord. Like that's not going to happen every day. Like there may just be some days where like, well, you know what? I, I read God's word and I'm not really sure what, um, what it means entirely or how it may apply to my life, but you know what? You took a step. Like you took a step and you were in God's word that day. And, and that's part of the grind. That's, that's part of the grind of just fo- of following Jesus. It's not gonna be this like every moment, this refreshing ah, sunbeams from heaven, like on, on my Bible or like in my, in my apartment, this, this revelation from the Lord. Sometimes it's just, you know what? I need to spend time with God today and I did that. So God, thank, thank, you, for, thank you for that. And I don't know what else you got for me. I'm kind of struggling with that, but I did it. And, and, and that, like as you do that, as you continue to make that a rhythm of your life, you will have more moments of, of, okay, God, like I see what you're doing here. Like I see what you're speaking to me. And so just, you know, I just, I just want you to hear that sometimes it's okay to just be in the grind. Sometimes it's, it's okay to, to be in that space. You're like, you know what? Like I, I kind of feel like maybe I'm in this dry season in my faith where I'm just not hearing these great words from the Lord, but you know what? I'm, I'm trying to seek him and I'm trying to be disciplined in seeking him and going after him and, and praise God for that. Because as you persevere through those seasons, you'll see how God will bless it. And so, but my prayer is that, that you would grow in the word. And so the second thing, so the first thing is discipline. The second thing is just asking God to help you. Like just, just praying, God, I, I need you to give me a love for your word again. Um, I, I've, I've kind of grown cold in, in my love of seeking you and my love of seeking you in the word. And God, I need that to be refreshed. And we can't do that, right? Us just, just like white knuckle discipline, that's not going to do that. Okay, so discipline's part of it, but there has to be something that comes from God because we can't just muster up this, this, this love for, for Scripture. That has to be given to us from, from the Lord. And, and so, so it's kind of like there's a tension there, right? It's like the discipline has to be there, but it can't just be that because that's not going to do anything. That's, that's us. That's, that's a works-based type of, type of view. No, it, there, there's an element of discipline that we have to have, but it ha- also has to come from, from God a- as a gift. And so you can just ask God, Hey God, I need to follow up with your word again. I need to be reminded of how sweet it is to be a follower of Jesus and of the forgiveness and the redemption that I have in you. And let that draw me to you and draw me to your word again. So Jesus's prayer, so the third thing that I wanted you guys to hear is that Jesus wants you to grow in the word. He wants you to grow in that, to be sanctified in that, to grow in your love for him and grow in your love for his word. And so 
Then Jesus moves on. So he doesn't stop there. So he prays for his disciples, right? So that was like, that, that was like as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I want Grace City to hear this. Like, so those were the three things, right? That you would grow in the truth, that you would have spiritual protection and that you'd be filled with his joy. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to pray for those who will come to believe in him that aren't followers of Jesus yet. And so let's look at, let's look at that, that passage. So let's go on down to verse 20. Yeah, I'm reading 20 and 21. Jesus goes on to say, I don't ask for these only, just for my disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so, so I believe because, of, because this portion of Jesus' prayer is also true, right? So we talk about where he prayed for his disciples, but now he's praying for a group of people that will be his disciples, but aren't his disciples yet. And he says that they're gonna come to faith in me because of the words of my disciples. So God's gonna work through the disciples to draw those that aren't disciples yet to himself, to be disciples, to become followers of Jesus. And so because this passage is true, I believe there's a group of people in this city that, that aren't followers of Jesus yet, that God is going to use you, Grace City, He's going to use your pastors and your, and your team. God's going to use you guys to draw people that aren't followers of Jesus yet to himself. And so there were two things. There's two things that's going to take, right? As you guys are continuing to work in the city and, and pray, as you're doing life here in the city of Boston, as, as you're praying about what God's will is for your life and what his will is for your church. So as we're praying for those who are going to be a part of this church one day, I believe there are two things. One is, is unity. You see this, like, sometimes it can be really confusing because she's like, I'm in you and you're in me and we're in them. We're all in you. And it's like, I'm like trying to, Jesus is kind of, but, but the point of it is, is that Jesus is in us and we're in him and he's in the Father and the Father is in him. There's this unity, right, that comes when this called our union with Christ. When we come to faith in Jesus, there's this union that we have with him and these spiritual blessings that we have in him. And so he says, there's, there's going to be a unity that's going to draw people to me. And so that's why you guys have that's why you guys have things like house church, right? For you guys to be in, in smaller communities, um, in, in your homes, like reading God's word together, praying together, um, and all the things that you do in that setting. Like that's why house churches are so important. And things like prayer room as well. So things like house churches and prayer. There's probably other things you guys do as a church that I probably don't know about, but those are two things that I hear about and that I see is that y'all have house churches and prayer room. That, that's a chance for you guys to come together and for y'all to be unified in what God's doing in your lives and what y'all wanna see happen in the city. And as other people come in and see that and they see the unity that you have, that is God's gonna use that to draw them to Him. And so unity is the first thing. And then the second thing, it's not implicit or explicitly in this text, but it's implied that it's gonna take perseverance. So if, if there are a group of people that aren't followers of Jesus yet, but there's this city, or there's, there's, there's this church called Grace City and other churches that are also in, in, the, in Boston that are working for the same thing, that means it can take perseverance. It's gonna take perseverance and, and, and faithfulness. And so I would say, um, for some of you, be, keep being faithful in your workplace, wherever that may be. Keep being faithful um, to pray for the lost of the city the lostness and the darkness, the spiritual darkness that is here, continue to pray that God will help you guys to pierce through that and that the light of the gospel would pierce through that. And then just continue to ask the Father to work through you. 
Say, God, okay, there's work still to be done here. Um, work through me. Use me, God. I'm open. I'm available. Because this city needs faithful churches that are going to persevere and that are going to push on, especially coming out of a season like we have been, and even a season that you guys are in right, right now, just still having to just continue to push through and persevere, um, keep on, take heart. And this city, like I said, the, this city needs faithful churches, and this city needs Grace City. And so remember that. Remember that, remember that on the days that it's hard to remember that, and it's hard to believe that, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. This Boston needs Grace City. Fenway needs Grace City. And so there are a couple of verses that I just that um, hope that go along with this that I, I believe will encourage you. Actually, one. So um, Riley, on y'all seen Riley Brown? She came and she did a prayer training for our team, and she was reading Second um, Thessalonians three. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so good! So I stole some of the things that Riley was talking about. But she read this verse in Second Thessalonians three five, and it says, "May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ." And so that's my prayer for you, that your hearts would be, would be drawn to, would be directed towards the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. This steadfastness, this idea of persevering, pushing on. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It's a really long chapter. I'm like, why would you have a, a chapter of 58 verses? But there is. You got to go on down there to find it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Oh, it's so good. Like I was like just a year ago, like I was in a season of ministry. I'm just like, okay, God, like I'm like I'm I'm struggling pushing on here. Like I'm struggling persevering. And like I the Lord gave me this verse. I saw this verse. I'm like, that is awesome. I needed to hear that. And so hopefully some of you need to hear that as well. Again, 1 Corinthians 15:58. If you need to memorize a verse this month, that's the verse to memorize. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Why why would we always be abounding in the work of the Lord? He says, because knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So I don't know what it may be right now that is draining you. I don't know what it may be right now that's discouraging you that you just feel like you're on this treadmill and you're running and you're going and you're going and you're striving, but it feels like you're going nowhere Hear this word from the Lord that your labor is not in vain. He is moving. He is working. He has something for you. He has something for your church. And so take heart. You may be in a season right now where you're discouraged. You may be in a season right now where you feel empty. But Jesus is saying, take heart. Your labor is not in vain. And so I hope that these things is an encouragement to you, Grace City. These, these, those, those three things for you specifically as a church, and then those couple of things, those are challenges for what God has for you and for those that aren't a part of your church yet, but will be a part of your church one day. I hope this has been encouraging to you. And there's a, there's a quote um, from J.D. Greer that um, I thought was just so impactful. Just, just bring, bring this back to the basics. Like I think sometimes like in the Christian life, like we can get so com- complex, but this is bringing, bringing us back to what it's all about. And um, after this, I'll, I'll close this out in prayer. This is what it says. says, Eternity is real. The gospel is true. People's souls matter. Your life counts. Don't waste it. And so, as as I hope, hopefully, this word has been an encouragement to your church. 
this week, I need to be reminded of this. I want to remind you guys and your church of this, that eternity is real. The gospel of Jesus is true. This city needs it. People's souls matter and your life counts. So don't waste it. So I would encourage you to everything else that you have left, pour into the work that God's doing here. Pour into the work that God's doing through Grace City. And so I believe that you're going to see, and I'm going to get to see it in Boston just as it is in heaven. And so Grace City, I love you guys. I'm so glad um, that I've been able to to see, be here with your team, and hopefully this is an encouraging word to you. Um, I would love to pray for you guys as we close today. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this prayer Lord, that you that you recorded for us to see this last conversation um, that Jesus is having with the Father before he goes to the cross. And so I pray that it would be an encouragement to this church today, Lord, that the people that are here would be the, reminded of the main purpose that you have them here. God, I pray that, that this staff would be reminded of, of the reason why you've brought them here and God, why they're here investing in this city and pouring out their lives for the gospel. God, I pray that you would renew their sense of calling or that you'd bring a sense of just renewal to the hearts of this church, God, and just, just a vision for what you have to come. They're coming out of a season that was exciting and now it may feel like they're in the desert again. God, I pray that you bring a sense of renewal, Lord, and just um, set their eyes on what you have for them, God, and that you'd begin to put those steps in place, and that you would just swing wide open the doors that need to be opened for your work that you're going to do in this city through this church. In Jesus' name I pray.